Welcome to the Construction User 2.0 from the Association of Union Constructors. In this podcast, we explore the latest labor trends, industry insights, and important issues in the world of construction. Join us for conversations with industry leaders, subject matter experts, and innovative visionaries as we discuss how we are building the world of tomorrow. Today's guest is the Executive Director of the Construction Labor Research Council. CLRC is the nation's foremost source of labor cost and related information of the unionized sector of the construction industry. Before coming to CLRC, he spent 14 years with the Tennessee Valley Authority, where he conducted extensive market studies on wages, salaries, and benefits, and led all the compensation-related negotiations with the construction trades and other unions. He has his doctorate in industrial and organizational psychology and is a wealth of knowledge about all things data in the union construction industry. So please help me welcome Carrie Peters. Okay, welcome, Carrie. Thank you so much for joining us for uh, this, the, the third time we're breaking down the quarterly settlements reports. How have you been? I'm doing great. Glad to be with you again, and uh, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Now, you, as not a first-time guest, you are aware of my first ridiculous question, but I was wondering if you have, uh, have any new songs been stuck in your head recently? So, songs, not, uh, I was wondering what your question would be. It's a little bit past now, but it's one of my favorite songs, still a Christmas song. I, I only listen to it pretty much at Christmas time, but I do like Oh Holy Night. Okay. And so, I listen to that a lot. Believe it or not, you can get into Spotify and get probably uh, 50 covers or more for that song. So I I listen to that one a lot. I know we're in early February now, so that one's kind of wearing out. But it's a good song. It's one of my favorites. You know, it's funny. I have so many Christmas songs in my my different playlists. It's uh, when I put, like, randomize on, you know, I'm going out running or riding or, or, you know, driving around. Trying to keep Christmas music out of my playlists the rest of the year is actually a real problem. Like, I, I, they, the, so, yeah, I get that. Having a whole night in February, not weird at all. Real quick, so the settlements report has come out. This one's the, the you know, the first quarter, a little bit of last year, kind of the first of the, this year. What are what are we hearing? What are we seeing that, uh, that people should be aware of? Exactly. And what this uh, issue does is, is the, uh, really the year-end one for 2023. So during 2023, we're accumulating settlements as quickly as we can during the year, and then in late January, we are basically done with the 2023 settlements, and we don't have really any 2024 settlements. Uh, all, by the way, almost all uh, negotiated settlements in construction occur in June. Is it June, July, and August, or May, uh, May, June, and July? I forget, but right there in that time frame, in the late spring, early summer time frame, is when over three-fourths of those come due. So there really are almost none in January. So this report is a pretty good review of what happened in 2023. Okay, yeah. So th- this this one proves more of a less of a first quarter for 24, but a, we now have a real clean, clear picture of 2023 20, that we can look at the whole year. Right. And what will happen is when people do uh, ramp up their bargaining, uh, maybe even uh, summer in April. I'm always humored, humored uh, Kirk, when, when uh, there are, and there are a few contracts that have April 1 as their effective date. And I always say, well, you know, should you uh, move it to April 2? So no one thinks it's an April Fool's joke. But anyway, uh, that's a different issue, but that's about when they start. And so they'll, they'll certainly look at this report. When I'm out at conferences and meeting people, uh, often 
people will say, well, we really appreciate that CLRC report. We, we look at that before we head into our negotiations and, and use that as a real kind of a point, an important point of reference for their bargaining. I will tell you that, I, you know, I sit on a few different committees uh, here at Talk, and I had brought up the CLRC settlements report this last committee meeting at our, uh, at our December conference, as well as the conference that we had previously in September. And both times people made uh, comments to that about how valuable they found the, the insights and how much it helped guide them in their, their ongoing negotiations. Well, I, I, I appreciate you telling me that. And I always love to hear that. And um, we just, there aren't any competitors. Uh, nobody wants to do what we do. I don't know, Kirk, but <laughs> uh, it, uh, it, there, I guess if you are in construction and maintenance work and you want to know what's happening with union craft rates, there's not many places to go except us. And we realize that. And so we take our role very seriously and do our absolute best to make sure we're putting accurate and reliable data out there for people. No. And, and, and again, that's it's awesome. It's great to have a corner on the market like that. So. Let's start breaking. What what did we learn in 23? We have a, a good you know overall year. What were the trends in 23 and what is that going to mean for us moving forward? Sure. The by far the biggest trend is just the rapid increase in the size of settlements. So, you know, they're they're almost always or are always increasing. It's just the rate of increase. So, in other words, did they go by grow by a tenth or two tenths of a percent? which is kind of the case or maybe half a percentage point, which was, was the case for quite a while, or do they grow by uh, a whole percentage point in a year? And that's what has happened in the recent past. So to be more specific, in 2020, the average increase was 2.8%. Again, that's the average. You know, we joke an average is kind of like the statistician had his head in the freezer and his feet in the oven. And he said, on average, I feel just fine. So we're, we're reporting the average, and there'll be some higher and lower. I think all your viewers realize that. Um, but it was 2.8 in, or your viewers, your listeners, sorry, uh, in 2020. And now at the end of 2023, we're at 4.7%. So that's nearly a two percentage point jump. And jump is the right word on that. If you look at our report, you'll see that from 2010, 2019, it went up uh, 1.1% during a much longer time frame. Now we've gone up 1.9% in just three years. So uh, I'm sure contractors uh, are feeling this and uh, owners uh, with a rapid increase in, in the size of settlement. No, I, that makes a lot of sense. And so are, are, we, are you thinking that's going to level off in 24? Is that going to keep on rising? I mean, I, I know no one has a crystal ball, but what, what do you think this means? Right. Well, I think it will continue for for one more year, and here's why. So, we, we uh, first of all, we've endured three major forces over the last decade or decade and a half. Only one of which really impacted our our rates. So, we've we've been through a labor shortage for construction workers. And that's been going on a while, and it has not driven wages up that much. A little bit, but not that much. And you would think a shortage of workers would drive them up, but not so much. We also had COVID. COVID drove, it didn't drive wages down, but it slowed the rate of increase a little bit. Huge you know, societal factor that we went through. Then along came inflation in 21 and 22, and that's 
third major force definitely drove these increases up. So this economic force had much more impact than the labor shortage and COVID. Now, inflation is back down, okay? The, the surge of 21 and 22 is gone. However, contracts are typically three years. And so in 2024, people that last settled in 2021 will be bargaining again. And in that three-year period was this surge of inflation that rose and then subsided all in the middle of that three-year contract. I think when they bargain in 2024, they won't, the, the labor for sure won't be saying, oh, okay, uh, inflation has subsided, but they'll be pointing out the fact that there was a lot of inflation in the middle of that contract, and they'll probably want to get paid for it. And I think contractors will realize that to some extent. So all that to say, Kirk, that yes, I think we'll continue to see pretty high increases over 4% again in 2024. After 2024, then most everybody's rates will have will be reflecting then this surge in, in bargaining that happened in 21 and 22. So maybe in 25, they'll start uh, dropping again. But I think we're going to see high uh, average settlements again in 24. No, that's all really fascinating. And and maybe this question's going to be crazy or maybe it isn't. And I don't want to, you know, turn this into any kind of a partisan issue. But, you know, we, we're also entering a a major you know, presidential election cycle. Does that have any effect? You know, does the campaigning of does the campaigning and all of the, the political speech out there affect these bargains and these negotiations at all? Hmm, good question. Um, I don't I don't think it does that much. I think the the bills they pass, like the, uh, you know, Inflation Reduction Act or the infrastructure bills, I think those do. And those perhaps some of those may tend to come from Democrats. So in that sense, it may affect it a little bit. So it's the spending side that comes from who's in office. But I don't I don't get the feeling that just the election itself has a major impact on on wage rates for union craft workers. Gotcha. You know, we just get inundated with all these big political messages saying, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And I, I wondered if that was reflected in any way uh, into negotiations. It's actually kind of relieving that it isn't. I, I don't think it is. I, I'm sure there's a political science uh, professor out there that may, may take issue with that, or I'm not sure of that, but there sure. might be. But no, I, I don't think it has a, a real big direct impact. I, I really think it's, it's the economy. And, and like I mentioned earlier, that's been a huge driving force in this, the economy. So coming up, you know, so it's, it's February, the, the next one of these, uh, when your next settlement report comes out in April, you said, correct? Right. No, comes out in April. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, let me tell you how this works, just so you know. So we do three settlements reports a year, and those occur after quarters uh, two, three, and four. So the one we're talking about now is the one that came out after quarter four in 2023, the end of the year. Then, and because, like I said earlier, there isn't much bargaining in the first three to four months of every calendar year, there isn't, there aren't a lot of settlements to report for our next quarterly report, which like you said, will be in early April. So what that one does is instead of looking at the increases as both percentages and dollars, that one will publish the actual pay rates uh, of 2023 data. So once a year, 
you get to see, well, what is the rate for a sheet metal worker or an iron worker or an operating engineer? And we do our usual slicing and dicing by region and by um, craft. So it'll, it, it's qualitatively different, and it just looks at the actual rates in the next report. So we'll have something qualitatively different to talk about next quarter. So, you know, I mentioned you, you mentioned the slicing and the dicing and, and things coming up. Let's talk about that a little bit for the, the trends of 2023. You know, were there any particular regions or crafts or areas that saw the most significant impact? Yeah, there, there are. And it's, it's interesting. It's on the, the left side of the U.S. If you look at a map and maybe, maybe politically, too, since you brought up politics earlier, um, but uh as, as percentages, the largest increases were in the, in the Northwest, the Pacific Northwest, driven in large part by uh, Washington State, Oregon, and uh, Alaska. They had the largest increases at 6.2%. And you remember our national average is 4.7, so they're one and a half percentage points higher. The Southwest, Pacific Southwest, which is uh, Hawaii, California, and Nevada, they were they were high too at five point two, but not as high as the Pacific Northwest. So, you, but if you put those two together, that's where the a lot of the very high increases are there. And interestingly, and we I think I pointed this out in a presentation I did recently. Um, you know, you think a lot of the Northeast and a lot of union activity there. This is places like Boston and uh, New York State, New York City, even and those areas. Those had some of the lowest increases. Now, their pay rates, the rate of pay, how much their total package is, is high uh, in a lot of instances, but the increase amount was below the national average at uh, 3.8%. If you go to the New England area and uh, 4.1% into the Northeast area. So that I find that kind of interesting as well, that those union strongholds uh, were below the national average while the, the left, the Western area of the U.S. was above average. That is kind of fascinating. You know, the Pacific Northwest, yeah. you, know, you mentioned, you know, Washington and, and Oregon doing different than, than the, you know, Boston and New Jersey, the, the other side. That's, that's kind of a fascinating dichotomy. I blame Todd Mustard if he's listening. He's a former talk employee that now uh, is, is over there in NECA. You know, you, you know Todd, but I, I, I blame Todd Mustard. That's what's going on in Portland. Great partners make a difference in any industry, but ours are the best. So let's take a moment for the Milwaukee Minute. Milwaukee Tool is dedicated to providing a full range of trade-focused solutions that increase confidence and productivity on the job site. One example of that commitment is OneKey, our connectivity platform that puts job site management into your hands, allowing you to track what matters through the industry's largest Bluetooth tracking community. This purpose-built tracking hardware and software gives you the ability to customize, track, and manage your tool inventory, fundamentally changing the way you interact with your tools. Together, the OneKey app and the IoT Connected Power Tools deliver superior task-specific power, precision, quality, and repeatability to help you and your crew work smarter. The free app grows with your business, addressing inventory pain points, increasing productivity, and decreasing downtime. Learn more about the OneKey platform at onekey.milwaukeetool.com. Come, you know, so we have this this first you know end of year report for twenty three. Then we have. We have this uh, this next this first big one coming up in April, 
and I bring all that to say, you know, we have our big conference every year in May. It's our construction leadership conference. But this year we're doing something kind of different. We're actually having one of the top, wor- the world's top negotiation specialists coming in and doing this big, long two-hour workshop and teaching some of the best negotiation tactics in the world. And we're me personally and we generally are, are really excited about being able to offer this to our membership of teaching them to, to really have an edge in negotiation. What I want to ask you is... Well, that's pretty neat. No, it's awesome. Did he broker the deal between Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey then? <laughs> Was that one of his clients? <laughs> oh my gosh, if that were to be true, that would be amazing. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. No, totally fine. But my question for you is, you know, so obviously, you know, we're teaching them these negotiation tactics, and I'm personally very excited to, to get to watch that workshop. I'm a big, big fan of this individual's work. But my question is, you know, these... How, in what way, you know, there's a couple of ways we can answer this. How do these numbers in these settlement reports empower the, you know, the membership, the, the people that have this report, how does it better put them at the negotiation table? How are these numbers useful, especially, how are these numbers useful to them when they enter the bargaining table? To some extent, it probably keeps them out of the ditches. And by ditches, I mean outliers, because uh, like uh, I was in Florida last week with a group, and uh, this person was management and said, you know, we're, when we get together to bargain, I take your report and I show it to labor. And, and that sets the groundwork for where we're going to go. Now, they may show their regional data cut. They probably, show, they probably focus on that if it's, if it's lower than the national average. If it's not, then they probably go with the national average. You know, they're going to kind of sometimes people can pick the numbers that they like. But either way, that sets the table for where we're going to where we're going to go with this. Um, and so it, it, I think it kind of pulls people toward the mean and keeps them out of the ditches. And again, by ditches, I mean outliers. I will say this also, CLRC outside of this report, which is at no cost to anyone that gets it, by the way, it's paid for by talk and 11 other sponsor associations for CLRC. They're the, the funding of it. But we also do many other reports that people often order, chapters, occasionally a union will order uh, a report, but usually it's a management chapter of one of our other uh, sponsoring associations, like say MCAA or NECA, and they're getting ready to bargain. I got an email this morning from a SMACNA chapter for sheet metal, and we do other reports. One of them is called the Union Non-Union Wage and Fringe Benefits Comparison. It simply does what it says in the title. It compares the union pay to the non-union pay. Union pay, of course, would, would be higher. It kind of codifies that. We do another report called the Benchmark Report. We have one called um, Contract Costing, where we and we've done this for talk, by the way, on the NMA a few years ago, just to look at the, the uh, costs of language in the contract. And then a new one uh, from a couple of years ago is called the Contractor's Cost Conundrum. So I, I didn't go into detail on all those, but these are other reports. It's data that people can bring to bargaining to give them a grounding as to, well, what, what does the market bear? What is happening out there in society? Instead of just coming in unknowing about what, what where should we start? Is it half a percent? Is it 10 percent? You don't, you don't even have a grounding in that. And our reports provide a data grounding. They don't tell the parties what their settlement should be, but they sure give them some education and guidance as to where they might want to go in their bargaining. So you absolutely just 
answered this beautifully. But I'm going to ask it in a if if there's someone out there, and I really don't think I'm describing any of our members or the people listening. I'm describing myself 100% owning that. If I'm entering one of these negotiation tables and I it would take one of these negotiation you know uh, situations, and I've got this report in front of me, what's the number I'm looking at? Like. I look at numbers and my brain kind of goes blank. I look at these charts and these graphs. And if there was one takeaway, what is the one thing? Do you look at your region? Do you look at your craft? Do you look at what's the what is the single takeaway, the important piece of data that is that is the the crowning jewel for each individual from that they could grab from this report? Yeah, I'm I'm, and you wanted one. I'm going to do three. I'm sorry. You can send me a, a email later about how I didn't answer your question right. But anyway, <laughs> I know I know you won't. Um, I will. I, I think it's that the it's our first exhibit, Exhibit 1.1 in the settlements report is the big picture. Uh, that's a good one to have. And then when when you're bargaining in Peoria, Illinois, with electricians, then that means you want to go to the mid uh, east north central region. That's where Peoria is. And then you want to look at what electricians are averaging. Those three data points, uh, in a nutshell, is where you'd want to look for a starting points. Awesome. No, that that's exactly so, so. Big picture, your craft, your region. And again, I truly think that everyone out there using this understands that. But I just wanted to kind of, yeah, you know, yeah, boil it down. And then, you know, I'm a percentage guy. I like to look at the percentages. But I know contractors and owners; they might like to look at the dollar amount. So everything I mentioned. Comes one chart will have the percentage. Uh, I guess those numbers people kind of look at the percentage. May, maybe that I, I know I do, uh, but I, I totally get. You can look at the dollar amount as well and be quite uh, satisfied with that. Yeah, no, that absolutely makes sense to me as well. Well, you know, I really appreciate you coming on every quarter and talking to us. Is there anything else? Any other big big takeaways that we need to to be aware of before we talk again in April? Anything that. This tells us moving forward that we can look at this report and this report for the record, anyone listening, you know, you can you can grab it off our website uh, as well as we send it out to to our membership as well as to the the other boards that help pay for the report. Anything to know before April? Yeah, I don't want to belabor, you know, the points we, we I think we've covered it very well. You've got big questions to pull out those answers of what's important. And I would just say we're very appreciative of talk and all the support they give to CLRC. And if any of your members, you know, have questions, I, I'm I'm more than happy to answer them. They can contact me. You know, I'm Carrie Peters, Executive Director of CLRC, and you can go to our website and find out contact info. And we're here to help um, your members and and the members of all of the associations that are uh, that we enjoy their their participation with us in this work. Awesome. And we also make sure that th- those links and that stuff is, is all in the show notes. Uh, for wherever you're listening to this podcast, uh, we, we make sure those links are pretty pretty easy to find. So wonderful. Thank you so much for your time. And I'm, I'm looking forward to our, our chat in April. Okay. Thank you, Kirk. Appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. You've just listened to the Construction User 2.0 podcast from the Association of Union Constructors. Don't forget to subscribe to get all future episodes of what is going on and what is current in the union construction and maintenance industry. 